Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Sporting Global Podcast. And hello, comments. Good to have you part of our podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good to be here. I'm, I'm doing well, thanks. And, and for all of you that are tuning in today, I mean, like, we're going to talk about, like, you know, how getting an internship in the sport industry, you know, Kama here has been doing like a really interesting article alongside with a great background from the sport industry that we're going to talk a little bit about. And if you're, you know, interested to learning more like from people like Kwame, if you want to hear like more insights, you know, make sure to subscribe to this uh, channel, you know, follow us on the other social media as well and, and sign up at Sporting Global and we will feed you with great insights every week, you know, from, from industry leaders, from great people like Kwame. And and Kwame, I, I think like we just got to start like, you know, just diving a little bit into your journey in the sport industry. How, how did it sort of like, how did it all begin? Take us a little bit back. Yeah, it's a good question. So I would say I, can, I have to start with my childhood. Um, so from as early as I can remember, I've had this, you know, fascination with sports. Yeah. And I think the most earliest vivid memory that I have was watching the Chicago Bulls as a young child, you know, as many of us do that, you know, grew up um, in the 90s. And in fact, I um, I actually remember crying after they lost game one of the NBA Finals in the 1991, right. uh, facing the Los Angeles Lakers and Magic Johnson and that team. And, um, you know, as many of us know, they went on to win, you know, four straight games, winning the first of six championships in the 90s. Um, so basketball was my first love as a child uh, with regard to sport. And then, you know, as I matriculated through school, you know, I participated and competed in various sports, you know, such as, you know, basketball, American football, uh, track and field. And, um, you know, as I you know started to go to college and stuff, I knew I loved sports, but I didn't necessarily know how to translate that into a career yep. until the latter stages of my academic or undergraduate uh, career. Um, I actually majored in political science as an undergraduate, uh, thinking that I would initially go to law school. Um, right. <laughs> however, I found out pretty quickly that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, it was really, you know, never my ambition, um, to be honest, more so of my parents. And so it's, uh, you know, first generation, you know, African here in the, the United States. And it's a running joke amongst us that we only have four choices for career. So right. there's one to be a medical doctor, a pharmacist, or you know, something medical. There's yeah. two, a lawyer, three, an engineer, or four, a disgrace to the family. Yeah. So now that I am <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I, I did not expect that fourth one to be fair. <laughs> um... So now that I am doctor with PhD, I'm not necessarily a medical doctor, but I think yeah. my parents are uh, accepting my uh, my choice and um, so, you know, eventually during my master's degree, I found out about sport management as a field of study. Um, and I you know, went in all there in terms of, uh, you know, finding programs and whatnot and, you know, what it was all about. And I found my PhD program that I eventually went to at Texas A&M University, allowed me to, you know, merge my interest in sport yep. and also my interest in, you know, business and policy because, you know, I initially wanted to major in, you know, international business uh, or international relations, um, but this allowed me to, you know, bring together all my interests, like I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so that led to me, led to where I am, you know, today. Going to Texas A&M for my PhD. Uh, went to when I was done, I did one year 
uh, teaching school, uh, Eastern Kentucky University, after which I went to Louisiana State University. Yep. I was there for seven years and then uh, came here to Ohio State University a couple of years ago. So finishing my second year here uh, right now. That's awesome. I mean, like it's, it's a, uh, it all starts with the passion, right? I mean, like, I think that's sort of like the, the benchmark of, of people in the sport industry as well. Like you have like that, just, you know, some experience you, you experienced as a kid as well. And I remember like you brought up, like, you know, the, you were crying, you know, back in the day of like, you know, <laughs> that match. And I mean, like, I remember here as well, like, you know, with, with Molda and, and my local team here in Norway, when we were won our first, you know, championship or our goal, like in 20, it was actually in 2011. So like our club was hundred years. It was a special kind of like, you know, thing. And we won it for the first time. And I like, I cried like the entire stadium of like 10,000 people <laughs> cried, you know, and, and like my dad cries, like he never cries, you know, so like you, you just see like how, how like meaningful and like how much, you know, these, the sport industry means to a lot of people and, and why, you know, you want to be part of that. So I can totally, you know, relate to that story and, and as well, you know, the, the kind of like the steps of like being, being part of it. And I think of course, like, you know, we, we, we've been talking a little bit like your journey into the sport industry here and and you recently sort of like co-released an article uh with the topic of like getting an internship in the sport industry the installation of privilege and i i'm kind of like curious here as well like from you know obviously digging a little bit deeper into the article before for the people like coming in here what was sort of like the aim of the research and what were some of the like objectives that you hope to discover with it yeah, um, it's a good good question. It was an article that I enjoyed writing with my co-authors. Um, so project initially started with myself and a uh, research collaborator and good friend of mine, Nefertiti Walker, who is a, a professor at University of Massachusetts Amherst, um, and also Marvin Washington, who was in Canada, and then we brought on two doctoral students later on in the process. Uh, would actually you know, uh, great question, not only because the article, but I think just very timely, um, you know, perhaps you have seen the attention that, you know, it's been getting uh, more recently that, you know, unpaid internships um, in the media, um, on Twitter, just a couple of weeks ago, it was trending. So, right. you know, essentially, yeah, you know, essentially we wanted to explore, you know, this, you know, world of unpaid internships. We couldn't find much at the time with regard to unpaid internships, uh, we started this this again back in you know 2012, believe it or not. Yep. Uh, so um, specifically, we want to get the perspectives of students and what their percep what their perceptions were, you know, regarding um, this whole topic. Mm. And so, in short, what we found was that not only are unpaid internships institutionalized, um, meaning that it's so it's an accepted norm, not only from us as faculty and professors as institutions but from it's accepted by the students as well right um, but we also uh, the most important finding i think was that we found that we uncovered that privilege is playing a noteworthy you know part in giving access to um not giving access i should say to a wider pool of applicants yeah you know so you know what does that mean so i guess for one that means that you know um, doing an internship is often required as a part of the curriculum, right? Um, at least here in the United, you know, at least here in the United States. So, uh, with so, with many, so many, you know, people wanting to work in sports, 
you know, people in school, students, and even people outside that have, have done no school, yeah. um, the supply, right, of students is, you know, so much, you know, it far outweighs the demand, um, the jobs and whatnot. So right. we have all these people wanting to work in sports, but we have few jobs, I should say. So this creates a situation which companies can, you know, take advantage yeah. of the, you know, the, the situation and offer to either, you know, pay really low, like mm -hmm. we see a lot of the times in entry level positions in sport. You know, one of the things I always tell my students is, you know, if you're getting into this, you got to expect to not make very much whenever you're starting out. Yeah. But then on the, on the other side, on internships, um, you know, we've went from paying our interns, as uh, Bill Sutton noted, um, way when he started his career some decades ago to now, you know, we don't, you know, we don't pay our interns uh, in the sport industry and in uh, amongst the sport organizations. Um, so now we have a situation where students are actually paying tuition dollars or euros or whatever, you know, currency, they're actually paying to work for free. So that's, you know, problem one, one of the things we've found. And let's say the other side of it on the privilege side, you know, who you have to ask yourself who can afford to do one of these unpaid internships. Right. You know, I certainly cannot, you know, coming from a, you know, working class, you know, background during the summer, I had to work to make money to pay for, to pay for a living, to pay for school and stuff like that. You also have to think, you know, where are these best internships located here um, uh, in the United States? They're most located um, with, uh, you know, league offices, you know, which are in New York City or, you know, subsidiary, you know, offices elsewhere. Yep. In, in short, very expensive cities. Right. So somebody like myself, you know, I couldn't afford to do that as to where somebody with, um, with wealth, um, you know, socioeconomic privilege could and more often than not these people at least here in the united states given the race and ethnic you know wage gap and wealth gap um is going to disadvantage people like myself you know black and brown people yeah. so we're it's it's creating a situation that, again where we have people that come from you know higher echelons of you know socioeconomic status working getting these uh, you know jobs and then also uh, having a disparate impact on, you know, people of color. And so when we look at the sport industry right now, um, executive positions, they're often, you know, you know, highly male and, you know, highly white. Yep. And I think uh, based in some, you know, unpaid internships, it's not the sole reason for this, but, you know, plays right. a contributing, you know, assist for this. But is a contributing factor, you know, in terms of like, you know, getting your foot in the door and I mean like I even remember like and mm -hmm. we talk obviously a lot about the the U.S. U.S. sport landscape but it's also quite you know common as well like here in Europe as, as well to like sort of like have that requirement of like you know having an internship for like you know study points uh, I, I remember even like back back for myself like when I was doing my my undergraduate uh, here in Norway you know so in, in the third year uh, we sort of like aim for like the the, the internship and that was like you know a, a certain uh, point valued in in the total estimate and I I got my internship in Oslo so that's like you know it's it's an hour flight six hours drive for me and I had to live you know find my own place in a major city so again like that was that was a huge financial commitment you know that I had to take and luckily I was lucky enough to also you know get like a, a paid um, you know 
not internship, but I found like a pay like coaching position that I could kind of like help assist me a little bit on, on the road. But it was a, it was a big, you know, financial, uh, you know, commitment, you know, for, for being there unpaid. But so I'd say, I know, like, also like here, you know, it's, it's, it, it demands a lot, you know, and, and as you said, the, the industry, I think, which comes from like an internship position too, like I know the US market is, is way ahead in, in that space too. So it's sort of like, you know, been just elevating a lot on that, um, you know, the traction that the industry has gotten and the amount of students that, that wants to get in, you know, it's sort of like your, your article is, is showing. And, and I wanted to dive a little bit into the nature of sports internship and kind of like you were, you were talking a little bit about some of the key key discoveries, but what were some of the challenges that that you see like the students are facing like today? Well, yeah, I think uh, one of the challenges even before they get the internship is, you know, finding the opportunities that are going to best, you know, fit their situation. Yeah. You know, only a select few of really, really, you know, um, select or good internships that people really want. So there's only a few people, right, that can get those internships. Um, right. So what are you left with? If you cannot get one of those, those internships, you're kind of, uh, you're left to do an internship maybe locally with your, you know, maybe your former high school or something like that, or a less quote unquote sexy organization yeah so at the end of the day when uh, an organization is looking at your resume compared to you know somebody that worked at the nba league office you know who's more likely to get picked right. so you know one of the students made the reference you know it's like picking from a mercedes or bmw and, and from like a toyota camry you right know, which one do you want to get right. so um i think obviously you know that's one issue um but in general, I think also the students feel like they have no other recourse. They feel like they, you know, they have no other option but to um, conform and abide by this you know, notion of seeking an unpaid internship or seeking an internship, I should pay, that's most likely to be unpaid. Um, this whole feeling of feeling powerless. And uh, I remember one student, you know, saying that I feel like it's unfair, but I know that's the way things work, right? You know, that's just the way it is. And there's nothing I can do about it because they have not only the system with the school, but they have the system, uh, the organization, and everyone's, you know, playing a role um, in this. So um, I think another would be that uh, a quote that I can remember is they, they felt it was unfair that just because they didn't have the financial means that you know they weren't able to seek a position an unpaid in or an internship um that was most likely going to be unpaid they said you know so and so is not smarter than me it's just that they have financial capacity to be able to be able to pay you know for these type of things because like you had alluded to it is a yeah. pretty large financial commitment if you're having to go away from your local town um and then also kind of, you know, changing gears, some also feel it's, uh, you know, once they do get in these spaces, they're not being, they're not able to get true work experience. So mm -hmm. there's narratives out there about not, you know, uh, getting trained or gaining skills and something that's tangible, you know, stories of, you know, running to get coffee or donuts and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, um, just answering emails, just doing kind of administrative work that, 
you know, doesn't really benefit you in any way. Right. Right. So, um, and then, you know, again, just, you know, kind of, again, back to what you had pointed to just the expense, you know, having to pay for travel, food, sometimes a uniform, um, you know, all these things, they, they come, uh, they all, they all add up. So what do we want our students to do? Take out another loan, student loan debt. It's already quite high here mm -hmm. in the United States as it is. Yeah. Um, when you know, I think about my former roommate in college, he was um, he was an electrical engineering major. Right. And he worked for BP during the summer, obviously paid, and yeah. he would make so much money in the summer to be able to pay for his entire rent um, for right. the upcoming school year. As a, you're just not going to see that in our field. <laughs> so, right, um, right. I mean, so so many challenges. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I, I mean, like, and I, I remember, like, reading that a little bit from your article, too, of, of sort of, like, that, you know, you, you, especially, like, those students that were being interviewed were, like, kind of comparing their position as well, like, their internship to, like, you know, their friends in other, other kind of studies and, and segments where they were getting paid, you know, and, and that's kind of like, okay, how can, you know, this, this maybe tiny organization pay, you know, this, uh, you know, student from a different uh, major or like business or finance or whatever, but the sport industry, you know, that, you know, could be a big team or whatever has a lot of money could not, you know, bring that up. So I think it's a very interesting, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big challenge, I think. And, and as a little bit research as well on the sort of like conclusion that it's sort of like a clear trend of hegemony and privilege in order to fulfill those demands in the internship landscape. But I'm kind of like thinking as well, like from sort of like an institutional side of things, like obviously the academia, the organization is like, what do you see are some type of actions that can be taken, you know, from their side to kind of like improve the situation, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's the big challenge, um, getting people to change um, systems that have been in place for, for so long, you know, yeah. um, to, I think to begin, we have to see some more legal action taken. We're starting to see that, um, uh, with regard to like Hollywood and, yeah. you know, and that whole space. And I think that will kind of influence what we see happen over these next few years in sport as well. Mm. Um, you know, hopefully we, you know, we can see some more movement there um, but i think as high institutions of higher education uh, we need to revisit this this new reality um, because like i said you know this didn't use this wasn't formally a thing quote unquote right. uh you know interns used to get paid so that's why that whole you know um, credit hours during the summer fall spring whenever you're doing the internship existed but the change was you weren't doing that internship for free and paying credit hours for it. Right. So we need to, you know, revisit this as faculty members, as institutions. You know, uh, some weeks ago, um, my colleague uh, Nefertiti Walker, she put out on Twitter, you know, have you done a sports internship, you know, in the past? And we got, you know, so many responses about, you know, students having worked unpaid internships. I think over two, 300 people actually kind of commented on it and one of the faculty one faculty member actually commented as well and he said that they um they don't allow their students to do unpaid internships mm. um, they have relationships with 
a select group of organizations where they place their students. Right. So that's what so that's what they're that's how they're kind of confronting confronting. Right. So I yes. got it. Yeah. So um so perhaps we need to do more of that, you know, partnering with certain organizations. Of course, you know, there's a downside of that because you're limiting the organizations that perhaps a uh, student can go to. Mm. Um, you know, if the student wants to go beyond that, that's you know, that's definitely their choice. But that's definitely you know, um, that's an option. I think uh, from an organization perspective, I think it's you know, it's it's not counterintuitive. I think it's you know, it's quite simple. You know, pay your interns. I think there's evidence from other industries, like like we talked about in that article from the uh, from the students. Other industries are paying their interns. You know, I talked about the story about my former roommate. You know, right. um, people in um, in tech as tech tries to diversify, they're you know they're well known for paying their interns you know good right. sums of money, and I think there's there's benefits to that, right? So I mean, you increase the pool of applicants, you increase the pool of socioeconomic diversity, racial and ethnic diversity. And that can, I mean, research shows that has a great impact on, you know, things such as, you know, creativity, innovation, and, you know, things like that. So, I mean, there's incentive, right? Not only from a business case, but I think it's just, um, at the end of the day, I think it's just the ethical thing to do. And, you know, as we kind of pointed to in our article, some organizations are starting to um, become cognizant of this and offering fellowships for people that maybe come from lesser means uh, with, um, as it pertains to, you know, financial, you know, privilege. Um, but those are the first ones that really come yeah. to mind. No, I, I think it's a valid point in addition to like, I think that also like correlates with once like sort of like the organizations, you know, kind of like take that decision of, okay, we're going to pay our interns. I think also you will see maybe a change of like what kind of tasks they are actually being ended up doing too because i mean like they want yeah. to get the value for their money right being spent so then it's also like hopefully like that will kind of like also change a little bit on um you know the the, the tasks that the interns are are being done and i know like of course like i can't like there's different kind of organizations out there and, and they have different, you know, objectives and ways of utilizing interns. And I think, you know, the ones that are, you know, making sure, okay, this is, this is talented people, right. And appreciating their way of like, okay, they're here to learn and like giving them a lot of ways to, to do so. And from our side, I mean, like from Sporting Global, like we've been very focused on creating new opportunities because we feel there's so much untapped potential of like in the industry of, that sort of like should have sort of like a long-term potential reward. So like we approach a lot of the startup ecosystem, for instance, where there's a lot of companies that, you know, maybe not, not necessarily have a lot of, you know, money to begin with, but, you know, if you deliver and you pay off, like that can lead to you, you know, getting a full-time job. And I think that's at the end of the day, also something that those students, you know, that's what they want. You know, they want to, you know, get that experience and get that, get a foot in the door. And this is something that we've been focusing on. Like, how do we create, you know, a, a bigger pool of equal opportunities, right? So more people also get, get the chance because I saw also in the article, like that's, that's a problem, like, because you don't have enough options either. So there's, there's a very small, you know, group of people that have that opportunity and then also like sort of like the institutional factors that you that you that you mentioned as well um and, and i'm kind of like just from a you know article research perspectives or like the full 
you know, benchmark of, of sort of like what you found out here? Like what would be some of like the key, you know, follow-up questions and theories that, you know, that should be dig deeper into here? Like maybe from your side, maybe from like, there's a student out there that, you know, maybe want to look deeper into this. Like what was some of the, you know, maybe some follow-up questions like theories that they should dig deeper into to get like more answers? Yeah, I mean, even into your previous point, uh, I think, uh, you know, also it can be a snowball effect. It only takes one or two or a few big name organizations to start paying their interns and right. others will follow suit because they don't want to lose out on, you know, the best talent. I think we're in a situation right now where we're losing out on a lot of great talent because we don't pay interns yeah. and they're going to other fields, they're going to other industries because they see the unpaid interns, the low pay entry level jobs. Um, so I think that's definitely something for organizations to consider moving forward. Um, but to your question, you know, of course, you know, I'm biased. Uh, I see a lot of things through an institutional theory lens and, you know, we utilize institutional theory in our article, but basically from an organizational uh, point of view, this theory helps us understand like how and why organizations behave the way they, they do and also the consequences of that behavior right. so you can right. from that you can understand why it's so useful in this study we can see what these organizations are doing whether it be sport organizations institutions of higher education and then the consequences of what we are doing um, and how we're culpable for the situation that is playing out before our eyes right now um, Beyond that, uh, you know, more recently, I've gotten into design thinking. And I think mm -hmm. it's something that a lot of students um, uh, should look into as well. We have to start to look at how these organizations and systems and everything are, you know, designed, and how they're not they're not designed to benefit us all. They're designed to benefit a few. And I, I get into more of this in a in a, a book that I'm writing actually right now. So whenever you think about a designer, you know, you probably think of somebody that's designing some type of, you know, thing you can up uh, a product, you know, like an iPhone or, or a computer or you know, yeah. something like that. You don't really think of a designer, somebody that designs an experience or designs an organization. Um, but nowadays designers, they're being asked to do these type of things. You know, you think about companies like, you know, IDEO, you know, they do a lot with design thinking and, you know, um, and designing experience that people will have within uh, um, with a product or with a, right. with an organization. So it allows us to really see the big picture. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of theories, those are a couple of theories that, you know, I rely upon and I think give a kind of broad macro perspective look at, you know, what we can do uh, moving forward and how we can understand what is happening right now. No, for sure. I, I think there's some really, you know, key, key data points. And as, as you're talking about as well, like maybe get like a different kind of lens, you know, from it, like maybe that's the student perspective. Maybe that's, you know, someone from the industry as well, like that, that have, you know, work closely maybe on the recruitment process of intern and, and sort of like, how do we, how do we kind of like, you know, elevate this and, and, and work on the issue that is, you know, being, being so, uh, clear for for such a long time and obviously I, I want to like you know have 
that's sort of like the final end here that, you know, that there, there's obviously, you know, we usually have a lot of students, young professionals that are, you know, looking to get their foot in the door, you know, from essentially all over the world that are tuning in and listening, you know, it could be Americans, it could be Norwegians, it could be, you know, people from all over the world. And, and I guess like in a sense, like, you know, they're sort of like thinking now, like, okay, how do you, how do you embark, you know, on their next step and like listening to this and like, oh, there's, there's a lot of challenges here, but how do you see like, you know, what would be some tips from your side to sort of like help ease I guess these challenges and break some of the barriers that they are facing. Like, what are some of the things that they should, you know, have in the back of their mind, you know, moving forward now? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's so many. Uh, what first comes to mind? I think, think to yourself as a student. You know, what value you can bring to a certain organization that you want to work for. Um, research the research that organization research that industry that's you know maybe there's a um, industry within an industry so what gaps are there to fill within that you know industry that you want to work in and and what can you do to fill that gap you start you, that's one you have to start to think about what it is about you and your qualities what skills can you bring to fill that gap yeah. and then just brand yourself as the person that can fill that gap. You right. know, companies aren't looking for, in general, they're not looking for somebody that is going to just be doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. Yep. They want you to add, you know, have added value. They want you to bring value uh, to their company. Um, so in a similar vein, you have to identify, you know, what particular skills um, this industry or company is looking for. Once you identify those, I think it's able, I think you're better able to kind of tailor your skills and your uh, kind of your outlook moving forward as a student, you know, whether it be the classes that you take in, as an undergrad or master's student, you know, to guard, to allow you to, you know, get those skills that you need. Um, I think another one also, you know, of course, be active on job searches, you know, uh, you know, there's many tools out there, you know, such as the tool, such as that you guys offer at Sporting Global. Um, when you can, you know, network like crazy, you know, obviously, you know, sport is one of those industries. It's, it's not about just what you know, but, you know, who you know. So whether that's, you know, attending a conference, you know, nowadays, right now, given COVID, I mean, it's much more, it's much easier because everything's virtual. Right. A lot of these conferences are for free. Yep. So, you know, network, you know, via that, that medium, use LinkedIn, you know, you know, send a cold call, you know, message to somebody in industry that you're looking to work in and ask them some questions. You'd be surprised that sometimes, you know, they respond. Yeah. Um, never stop learning, of course. Um, maybe that's, you know, getting a, a certificate, you know, once you're done with school in another area, maybe it's coding, maybe it's analytics, yeah. you know, there's so many things, you know, just basically think outside the box, make yourself, don't be afraid to make yourself uncomfortable and putting yourself in uncomfortable spots because, you know, as I tell my students, you know, being uncomfortable is what allows us to grow and, right. you know, build strength and endurance. And I, I say, you know, think about a, a workout, you know, you put yourself through an enduring, uh, you know, workout to build strength and build endurance. And while it hurts and it may suck while you're doing it, yeah. at the end of it, you feel better yeah. and you, you have more strength. And I think lastly, I'll just say, think more entrepreneurially. 
no, not everybody has to go work for a company or an organization. You know, think about an idea with a group of friends to, to create a startup company that's going to address some gap in the sport industry that you don't think is being addressed right now. So um, all in all, I think, you know, if you can do all those things, I mean, while it's not a guarantee, I think you'll be better off than, you know, some of the other people that are applying for the same opportunities that you are. 100%. I think there's some really great advice, Kwame. And I'm like, I also just wanted to add, add on that as well, as, as you talked about too, like, you know, uh, the, the networking piece of it. And I think, you know, what I, what I experienced myself as well from like, you know, former student and, and starting my company too, is that um, because so many people also have been part of the kind of like the journey that you're talking about in, you know, the article of like, you know, having to start from like nothing right of like you know working long hours unpaid and all this like people are more willing to help you know in a sense from like a standpoint of, of like you know uh, you know having those conversation you know maybe there's a way like they can connect with different kind of people and and being open you know to have this conversation because they've been you know through that step and i think that's like you know a huge opportunity as well that 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 the students out there needs to take advantage of you know of like how do we connect with those people as as, as much as we can and, and and soak their knowledge you know like it's not always easy you know figuring out what are the trends what are the you know some of the gaps in the industry that's that's why you can talk with the people that have been in there for for some time and pick their brain you know because they are the ones that are at least now you know making those decisions and and have to think you know five ten years ahead so you know maybe maybe utilizing that to, to ask ask them all these questions yeah i think you know also something i tell my students as well is you know don't be afraid to you know maybe your initial job is not in sports maybe you're you're gaining experience in another field but those skills can be transferable to the sport industry right you know i've had students tell me that you know um, they've worked in another field um, where they started off with better pay and then they come back to sport and their pay is much better than what it would have been if they would have started off in sport. So right. you know, don't be afraid to take, you know, opportunities that aren't in sport as well. You know, whatever's going to get you to your end goal, you know, do that. But don't just limit yourself to um, to one thing. No, hundred percent. I think that's a it's a great way to to end this podcast, Kwame. I think with that, I would like to, you know, thank you so much for taking the time for sharing the article, and we'll we'll make sure to, you know, uh, maybe we have a link or something with it, or 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 at least like you you guys can look at it on Sporting Global and so forth. But uh, but yeah, Kama, I would like to thank you so much for for taking the time, and with every video kind of like thing we're doing, we always finish with Visnakis, which means see you later in Norwegian. So now you know it's on Norwegian. <laughs> there we go. Uh Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely, Kwame. Thank you so much.